Well, good morning, church family. Man, it's so good to be here with you guys. If you're a guest here today, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and uh, we've been in this teaching series called The Unseen Realm, and just looking at the devil and the flesh and the world and just trying to unpack uh, some of those things. And then like today, we're going to kind of move into, well, now what do we do with it uh, sort of thing. But uh, I just want to pause before we dive into the message, make sure I got my clicker doodad here on. Um, man, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you haven't taken your next step in water baptism, I can't encourage you enough to go sign up. You know, scripture is very clear uh, about us constantly taking next steps. And one of those is after we put our faith and trust into Jesus is to uh, get water baptized and to declare it publicly that we're all in for Jesus. And so if your heart's racing right now a little bit, or we keep talking about it every week and, and like, I think that could be the spirit of God tugging on your heart and, uh, I think by you signing up in that moment, like that's you walking in the spirit. That's you being obedient to what the spirit is prompting. So if you're kind of feeling that tug, like that's your next step is through baptism. I want to encourage you to sign up and I'll be shooting you an email. But uh, I now want to dive into the message here. And so for the last month, can you believe we've been in this teaching series a whole month? We've been unpacking this idea of the devil, the flesh and the world and uh, Pastor Ryan and Pastor Josh have done an incredible job. I, I've been uh, sitting over there and just taking notes. And I feel like I'm just as much of a student as everybody else. And like I'm learning and growing in all uh, of this idea of the devil, the flesh, and the world. So I'm on this journey with all of you. But the, the kind of the premise of all of this, this idea of this unseen realm is like the conflicts that we have with other people, like that's not where the struggle or the battle is. Like the battle isn't against the disagreement or the person that votes against uh, the other party or all of that. Like that's not where the struggle is. Paul called out the struggle to the church in Ephesus. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the cosmic powers of this darkness, and against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. There's the devil, there's the flesh, and there is the world. And that's what our battle is against. And so we're, we're gonna talk about all those things, but it's been a while since we've had a student come up and read some scripture to us. So if you have your Bibles or you need to turn them on, head over to Galatians 5, and I'm gonna ask Vivian to come join me on the stage. Can we welcome Vivian? She's special to me because she's mine. This is my... This is my third child. You're the baby of the family. And so, um, Vivian, can you tell everybody like how old you are? Ten. Ten. And what is something that brings you joy? Jesus. That's awesome. <laughs> Definitely a pastor's kid, right? <laughs> uh, but no, like how cool is that? Like, I, I mean, she knew I was going to ask at this service, but she responded the same way first service and she didn't know uh, I was going to ask that. So uh, we're going to be in Galatians chapter five. I'm going to read verses 16 through 18. Chad, if you can help me out with those slides. And Vivian, when you're ready, could you please read that? 
I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So Father God, we just heard your word, and we pray that it would just penetrate to the depths of our heart and our soul. Lord, I surrender any agenda or anything of me, and I just pray that I would be a conduit for your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would till up the soil right now, that it would be seed that would go into good soil and grow into our lives, and that we could just uh, have this fruit uh, growing in our life because we're walking with you. So Lord, we give you this time, and we pray and ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much, babe. Hey, I need that. Here. Cool. I thought she did exceptionally well. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, definitely a proud daddy moment right there. So, like I said, we spent four weeks talking about these things, the devil, the flesh, and the world, and they're all opposed to walking in the spirit. And so I hope today in my ramblings that I'll give you something practical of how to walk in the spirit, but literally I'm barely scratching the surface. I'm literally just giving you an introduction. Like we could do probably several teaching series on very practical ways about walking in the spirit. But I have to give a warning or maybe a disclaimer before we even move forward in getting into the practical part. See, it does... No good, well, okay. It does no good to talk about the Spirit's sufficiency as a moral guide if we're all not agreed that the Spirit of God is the chief leader of our lives. Like, we have to start there. And I think before we even move forward in the message, I'm kind of drawing a line right now of where are you at? Like, Are you fully surrendered to the Spirit? Is it sufficient for everything in your life, guiding your life, the decisions that you make in your life? Because the rest of what I have to say today isn't even going to matter if you don't believe that Holy Spirit is sufficient in your life. And maybe you're kind of wrestling like, well, I don't really know the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a background where they called him the Holy Ghost and that kind of freaked me out a little bit. Like, I hear you, I receive that. And I feel like this church, Radiant Life, has done a great job of kind of despooktifying Holy Spirit. And we've had several teaching series all about Holy Spirit. So if that's what your next step is, is to learn more about what Holy Spirit is, go back to our archive and look at the whole Holy Spirit series. But I love how A.W. Tozer, like he kind of sums it all up like this. A.W. Tozer says, what will we find the Holy Spirit to be like? He will be exactly like Jesus. You've read your New Testament and you know what Jesus is like and the Holy Spirit is exactly like Jesus. He continues, for Jesus was God and the spirit is God and the father is exactly like the son and you can know what Jesus is like by knowing what the father is like and you can know what the spirit is like by knowing what Jesus is like. 
So that's just a really simple way of looking at it. And maybe that's what your next step is. I don't even know who Jesus is. Maybe that's what your next step is. Open up your Bible and to look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, which are these four different accounts and four different perspectives on the life of Jesus. And maybe you just need to digest as much of Jesus's life as possible. So that way you can understand who he is, what his character is, how he would respond to people, the things that would make him upset and be Begin to understand who Jesus is, because when you understand who Jesus is, you're going to know who Holy Spirit is in your life, and he is sufficient for guiding everything that's in our life. But there's times that we kind of shrink back from that. There's, there's times where like, yeah, we want to let God in so much, but we, we kind of hold back. And Pastor Ryan, a couple of weeks ago, was talking about this idea of the flesh, and he had this really cool quote from Dr. Barnhouse, and I just copied and pasted it because I thought it would apply to our message here today. He says, history shows that man prefer illusions to realities. Choose time rather than eternity. Whoa, let that marinate a little bit. We choose time over eternity, And the pleasures of sin for a season rather than the joys of God forever. Man will read trash rather than the word of God and adhere to a system of priorities that leaves God out of their lives. Whoa. Like that encompasses all of it, I feel. And so what we're going to do is we're going to realize, I think you already realize, that the devil, the flesh, and the world, they're all opposed to walking in the Spirit. And so what we're going to do today is have three different conversations and look at how can we walk in the spirit in these three different areas. And like I said, this is not exhaustive. This isn't like the one key that's going to unlock the Holy Spirit in your life. These are just things that Holy Spirit laid on my heart to share Like we could literally probably do a whole teaching series on each one of these conversations and go way more in depth and unpacking that idea of walking in the spirit. I'm literally just, I'm just scratching the surface and try to introduce something to you that would give Holy Spirit to do something inside of you. You guys on board for this? All right, let's dive into the first conversation. How to walk in the spirit against the devil. He's real. He's not this little dude on our shoulder. The devil is real. But man, when I was preparing for this message, it was clear. I knew exactly what story to share. So if you have your Bibles, if you're taking notes, uh, jot down Matthew chapter four. We're just gonna look at that first story in that chapter. Matthew chapter four starts off like this. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. There's a lot there just in those two verses. Like I've always wrestled with that first verse. Like the Spirit's leading him to go get tempted? You know, it it makes me think, uh, if you grew up in the church background, you've probably heard of the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lead us not into temptation. I don't know if those two verses are connected or not, but it's interesting. I'm kind of disappointed you guys didn't say it after me right there. I'm just gonna be transparent. You you were supposed to say that there. I didn't guide you in that, that's okay. But I find that interesting that the disciples say, hey, Jesus teaches how to pray and he, he gives this guideline of how to pray. 
I wonder if he's speaking out of experience here. I'm just wondering, I wrestle with this passage. The spirit led him into the wilderness. But then it says he was fasting for 40 days. I think we're gonna talk about this here in a little bit, but I think it's cool that as a church body right now, we're right in the middle of a fast as a church family. And I I can't wait to hear some of your stories and stuff about how God's meeting you in the middle of that. So Jesus, he's led out by the spirit. He's in the wilderness and he's super hungry. And now let's look at what the devil does. Then the tempter approached him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, read those three words with me. It is written. It is written. Jesus had his Bible. He had the Hebrew text. He knew the scriptures. We would call that the Older Testament. Jesus knew the scriptures. And he quotes, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus knew the scriptures. In fact, the devil tempts him two more times and Jesus responds, it is written, for it is written. Jesus quotes the scriptures. And I think the famous evangelist, Billy Graham, he really uh, hits the nail on the head right here. Billy Graham says, if you are ignorant of God's word, you will always be ignorant of God's will. Whoo! Dang. Like that one, that one hits a little bit, right? Like, Like we have to know God's will for our lives. Well, here's the thing. We believe that God inspired every single word on every single page, right? From the table of contents all the way to maps, right? Like God inspired this. That was kind of a Bible joke. It didn't land as funny as I thought it would be. thought Pastor Josh would laugh at that one over there. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for the mercy on that one. But we believe that he inspired that, like that he spoke to the writers of this and that it's, it's, it's living and it's active and that it's sharp and that it penetrates into the depths of our soul. We believe that. And so it's gonna be hard to walk in the spirit if we don't even know what God's will is for our life, if we don't know the scriptures. So it's hard to walk in the spirit if we don't know God's word. And I get it. You, you guys hear several of us talk about, get into the Bible, get into the Bible, read the Bible. And I, and I get the response, like, I don't know where to get started. I don't know, I don't know where to begin. So here's a, some real practical examples. The YouVersion Bible app. Some of you are using it right now. Like you can put it on any device. You can do it in your web browser. You can uh, write, you can put highlights. You can compare different translations. It will read it to you. It is a wonderful way to get started engaging God's word. In fact, there's a version Bible event live right now with our church that you can do notes in. It's really cool. But you can't beat the old fashioned paper Bible. There's an amen, yeah. Like, we can't beat this. I'm in the word in my paper Bible each and every day. 
And we recommend the CSB Study Bible. We recommend all kinds of study Bibles, but we just recommend the, CS, uh, the CSB Study Bible. We might have one or two still for sale at the cafe. They range anywhere from uh, $30 on up. And what's really cool is you notice like mine's really thin. Study Bibles are thick because they have all kinds of notes in there to help you understand the scriptures. That's exactly where I started was reading study Bibles. Now I've got like uh, six or eight different study Bibles that I reference. And then maybe some of you like, you know what, Brandon? I took that advice a long time ago. I've been chewing on a study Bible for a while. I need a little bit more. Cool, the Blue Letter Bible, it's free. They have an app. You can also go to their browser and you can really begin to dive into God's word. They have these things called uh, lexicons, which is basically a dictionary for the original language and to help you understand that compared to the English. They also have Bible commentaries on there as well. Like we've never lived in a time that has this many resources to engage the word of God. And then if you just got like a pile of money sitting around and you're ready to engage God's word, you buy Logos Bible software. I mean, this is kind of a joke, more so towards the staff and stuff, because I talk about Logos all the time. But you literally, I'm not, rumor has it, you can spend thousands of dollars on this software. I don't, I just, I've heard those rumors. I'm heavily invested in this software. I don't get a kickback. I just, this software has changed my life, which is kind of weird to say that a piece of software changed your life. Uh, Like I literally, that's a screenshot for my computer in preparation for this message. I can have my Bible on one side. I can do a word study on the other. I can do commentaries. You can do all kinds of stuff. You can cover so much ground in just a couple of clicks. Yeah, it's a super steep learning curve and it can get very expensive very quickly. But I just wanted to show you that there's always more in engaging God's word. So start off with an app, get a paper Bible, begin to study God's word. Come on, we gotta get into the word, right friends? Yeah, all right, let's get into our second conversation, the world. So how do we walk in the spirit against the world? Now I thought Pastor Ryan did a an amazing job last week, and he talked about some topics that were involved with the world, but I'm gonna come at it from a different angle because the world wants to normalize sinful behavior in our society, but I I think it's more than just some of the obvious sin. I'm wondering for some, even the idea of contentment. Like we live in a culture that's just constantly consumed, constantly consumed. I mean, Black Friday is just right around the corner, right? Talk about like the holiday of consumption in the US, right? So what does it look like to, to learn contentment in our life? Paul, he understood this. He wrote to the churches in the region of Philippi. The book of Philippians, it says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again, you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself in. I, like, that makes me cringe a little bit. I, I don't know that I can say I'm content in all circumstances, but Paul, he kind of, he keeps going on his point. He says, I know how to make do with a little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content. 
whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. And the famous verse that gets taken out of context all the time, I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. That doesn't mean you can go lift more weights and all that stuff, right? But God can strengthen us in the idea of contentment. Now, Paul had a protege. His name was Timothy, this apprentice. And he wrote to him and encouraged him. And he kind of summed all of this up. I love this. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Well, I'd like to have great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these things. Man, like I wrestle with that. And maybe you guys are way more spiritual than I am. Maybe you're farther along in your contentment. But at least for me, like it's easy to compare myself to what other people have or what I don't have in comparison to what other people have. And I just like, or it's the constant bombardment of ads or giving you the sales and all. It's like, I can justify buying any kind of tool. Like ask my wife, like I can justify the tool purchase. It, it's not actually justified, just, just to be clear on that. But I can find an excuse to purchase or to consume. And it's like, man, I'm not gonna be able to take any of this with me when I die anyways. Why can't I learn to just share what someone else has? Like I wrestle with those kind of things. Thomas A. Kempis, he was uh, from the early second century. He penned these words. He says, use temporal things, but desire eternal things. Woo, that'll preach. Like we desire these earthly things, but should we desire eternal things? Things that are gonna be with us after we die. Those are the things that are gonna matter. You cannot be satisfied with any temporal goods because you were not created to enjoy them. Even if you possessed all created things, you could not be happy and blessed. For in God, who created all these things, your whole blessedness and happiness consists. Like that's where our heart should be. Like why can't we just be content with what we have and seek out the things of God? Like he's the one that brings the joy and the happiness to our life. And so as disciples of Jesus, we need to learn contentment. And I would argue maybe another discipline to go with this would be the idea of simplicity. Do we have to have five different variations of the same thing? I don't know. Like I I think the idea of simplicity can create a little bit of tension because we constantly consume all these different things. Maybe we have to work twice as hard or we have to do this side hustle in order to afford these different things and it actually changes our lifestyle. And so I would argue that hurry is bad. In fact, Jesus, he kind of talked about this idea of pace and being yoked with him in Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 28. He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Man, rhetorical question, but how many of you are just worried? Like you're just, you're burned out. Like you have nothing left in the tank. You're just one phone call or one text from a crisis. Like, 
You're just burdened. Like there's, it just feels like there's all this stuff that's on your shoulders. Jesus says, take up my yoke, which is, it's just that device that yoked two ox together. He says, my yoke, take my yoke and learn from me. Well, that kind of goes back to studying the scriptures. What does it look like to learn from Jesus? Because I'm lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Doesn't that sound beautiful? Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I'm wondering with our fast-paced culture, like we need to wrestle with the idea, are we yoked to the world or are we yoked to Jesus? And that's difficult. Our schedules are just cram-packed full. Like when I mention something about engaging God's word, you might be wrestling with the question, like when am I gonna fit it in? Like, I think the pace of our lives, like, we need to slow down. I mean, geographical context in the Gospels, they would mention these different areas that Jesus would go to. Well, guess what? It's not like he just called an Uber and they picked him up and he went to the next town. Like, it would take days to get to these different areas. Do you think he was running to the next town? I don't think so. And so I'm wondering, in our fast-paced culture, drive-through, microwave, instant pot culture that we're in, we want things now. And I don't know that that's the way it's always supposed to be. So I wrestle with this idea. I believe that hurry has the same effect as sin. Because it cuts off our mind and our body from the ability to live with a living connection and to an awareness of the Spirit of God. Like if we're just going all the time, constantly consuming, constantly putting these different things in, when do we just stop and just listen to God and allow Him to speak to us? Former pastor, speaker, author, John Mark Comer. I say former because he's moved out of his uh, local church role and now he's kind of moving into a, a national role and speaking and he's actually releasing this stuff called Practicing the Way, which are spiritual disciplines. Um, I mean, I wish I could do a whole message pointing in that direction. But he wrote a book called Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Here's a quote. He says, we are too alive, meaning too restless and addicted and hurried to die to ourselves and too dead, spiritually speaking. And I can't say that word. Mediocre, thank you, wow. Uh, To live in Christ. Think about that, like the hustle and the bustle, like we're, we're too alive in that and not alive in Jesus, And we're actually, because of that, we're spiritually dead. I mean, Paul, he understood this. He he says, I I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. And so Paul understood, like, life, the world, all of that, like, it's going to throw all of its stuff at you, but you need to walk in the Spirit. So as disciples of Jesus, we need to walk with him and not running ahead of him with constant restlessness. I mean, if, if we're gonna be yoked with him, are we dragging Jesus along? Or are we walking at the same pace 
is him. Let's get into our third conversation. How do we walk in the spirit against the flesh? And this one, I gotta be honest with you, friends. Like this is the one that I wrestle with the most. This one, God has just really been revealing to me on a deeper level, like the things that I need to cut out and crucify in my life. And, And the things that it's bearing because I'm living more into the flesh than the spirit. Now, because we, we've read all kinds of Roman verses in this teaching series. You know, Paul basically says, hey, I don't do what I want to do, and I don't do what I want to do, right? Like, I think a lot of us can relate to that. I love his words in that. There are things that I want to do in my walk with Jesus, but I'm just not doing it. And then the sin, the struggles that I have in my life, I don't want to do that, but I fall into temptation. And it's this battle and this struggle with walking in the spirit. In fact, here's just one quote from that Romans 7. Paul says, for when you were in the flesh, the sinful passions aroused through the law were working in us to bear fruit of death. There's a paradox. Like who wants to bear fruit of death? But I think if we pause for a moment, Maybe we've lived more into the flesh and now we're seeing that fruit of death in our life. The broken relationships that we have. Things that have come to the surface because we leaned more into the flesh than what we did with the spirit. And now it's beginning to bear the fruit of death. And that could almost seem hopeless. And I, and I wish I could take all the time to unpack that, but back to Galatians 5, like Paul, like he talked about the fruits of the Spirit. I'm not gonna take all the time to unpack that, but he, he summed it up. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under that law. Like if you're led by the Spirit, you're going to exhibit fruit, and that is good fruit. Check that out. You can see that in your Bible. There's a whole list of attributes of the fruit of the Spirit in there. Because for followers of Jesus, like we need to crucify the flesh. Paul understood this. Again, in Galatians, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I really wrestled with that verse 25. I've been wrestling with this one for a few years now. Keeping in step with spirit, because I also have that word picture of that yoke, right? Like if I'm walking with Jesus, and and, you know, a lot of times in the first century world, they would team up a a young ox with an older ox, because the older ox knew it was going to be a long day. So you don't want to just go out guns blazing right at the beginning of the day and be tired before lunch. And so the more mature ox would slow down the younger immature ox. You can use that same metaphor spiritually. What pace of life are we doing and are we yoked with Jesus in that? So I think about that idea of step in step, but I think Holy Spirit's revealed a little bit more on this verse. Because if you unpack the original language of spirit, it's the word pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. You just spoke Greek today. How cool is that? You didn't realize you're gonna come in and speak Greek today. Pneuma means breath, wind, spirit, disposition to blow or to breathe on. So let me get a little abstract here for a moment. 
Imagine that you're in a field, or maybe you went outside yesterday, (laughs) and you noticed the wind. It was a rushing wind yesterday, right? But just pretend with me for just a few moments. I think maybe the people who run a lot or walkers, you're really going to gravitate to this. Like you, you don't like when you leave to go do your run, what do you do? Like you leave to go run into the wind, right? Like you don't save that for on your way back because you're already tired from your run and now you got to come back and you got to run into the wind. That makes sense, right? It's just logic. I'm not a runner. So I'm just kind of going on logic on that one. Doesn't make sense to run back into the wind. But maybe you were outside last night or you've been in a field or something like our, our lawns that we have here at Radiant Life. And you've been in that moment where you're walking outside and you felt the wind coming at you. Like you hear the wind blowing in your ears, you, you feel the resistance all along your body, but then you change direction and the wind is now at your back. And I think there's some times where we get at the same pace as the wind and it's almost still. Like you don't hear the wind, like it's just still. And I'm wondering, pretend with me, if walking with the spirit is kind of like that but maybe some of us have been walking into the wind. We're feeling that resistance, like Holy Spirit is changing a direction in our life. I mean, when you sit down at a campfire, where does the smoke go? Goes right to you, right? You pick up your chair, you move to a different spot, where does the smoke go? It just comes right to you, right? Like the wind changes direction, I'm wondering if the spirit changes direction in our life and we're resistant against what the spirit is trying to guide us in our life. I'm wondering when we're walking with the spirit, we notice that stillness, that quietness in our life. So I wanna get real practical about how we can walk in the spirit when it comes to the flesh. So because disciples of Jesus... Walk in the spirit in a life of purity. Now I'm gonna break this down into three different areas. I don't think this is like the key to unlock about walking in the spirit. I just feel that a life of purity as a follower, a disciple, an apprentice of Jesus, we need to live a life of purity. And I wanna break this down into three different areas. And the first is our mind. We need to have purity of our mind. Right, like Paul wrote to the church, he said, hey, don't conform to the patterns of the world, but renew your mind. And maybe for some of us, it's hard for us to renew our mind because generation after generation, we've always had this negativity, we've always had this thought, this is how you always are supposed to do it. And maybe we need to renew our mind and how we're supposed to do it. I was reminded in between services that God's holy word says that we're supposed to take every thought captive. And maybe that's part of renewing our mind is we've just been letting any old thought into our mind. And maybe we need to protect our mind from things that are coming in that. It's easy to beat up on media, right? Like you spend any significant amount of time on social media and I just feel like there's no hope for the world, 
Like everything is just hell in a handbasket in here. What is going on? So I'm fasting from social media. I don't even know if I'll put the apps back on because there's parts that I like about it, but then it just like, ugh, it just sucks it right out of you. What are we putting into our mind with any kind of media? Netflix and all of that stuff. Words from certain people coming into our minds. I think another area of purity can be our body. Paul wrote to the church, he says, don't you know that your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit? I wrestle with that. Especially as a guy who's sitting here overweight. And what kind of things do I consume into the temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, pre-Jesus, I didn't honor him with my body and the relationships that I was in. And so I think we need, as disciples of Jesus, need to live a life of purity in our mind, in our body, but also in our heart. The wisdom of Proverbs says, guard your heart, protect it. Don't just let everything into your heart. I think we could say that about all three of these with purity. What are you allowing into your mind? What are you allowing into your body and what are you allowing into your heart? What, is the, what are the things that you're sowing into those areas? Now this messes with my theology a little bit. I don't know if it quite works this way, but not a trick question, but where is Jesus at right now? He's at the right hand of the Father, right? So scripture is very clear. He went back, he's at the right hand of the Father. Now I'm wondering in my holy imagination, if he leans over to his dad, he says, hey dad, look at this one. Look at how they're living a life of purity. What a miracle. What a miracle of the purity in their mind, body, and heart against the flesh and the world. How beautiful would that be if that is a real thing? I don't know if it is. But just allow that holy imagination to just wrestle with you right now. Are you living a life of purity? What are you sowing into your life? Pastor Ryan shared this a couple of weeks ago. He says that if we sow to the flesh, we reap slavery. And maybe some of you have been leaning more into the flesh and you are a slave to those things and the consequences of your sin. And we've raised up this idol of self. It's all about me. And we are slaves to that. But if we sow to the Spirit... We reap freedom. And that's been my life. That's where I'm at now is I'm trying to walk in such a way that I'm with the Spirit and now I can stand here and testify of the freedom and the healing that's happened in my life. And I know that God's even got more in store for me. And we have to wrestle with this in Galatians chapter five, verse 24. Now those who those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. And maybe some of us were wrestling with the idea of crucifying our flesh. There's something in your life that you absolutely need to put to death. And maybe the Spirit has given you something right now. It's coming right to your mind. Now, I think the best way to crucify the flesh are spiritual disciplines. 
or practices of Jesus, things that Jesus did, we begin to discipline our lives around those things. And I believe fully, because I've experienced it in my own life, that when we live into these disciplines, that's where we find the freedom and the healing, and that's where we cut off and crucify the flesh in our life. Now, the staff is reading a really cool book right now called The Great Omission from Dallas Willard. There's so many, I've got so many different things marked in this book, but I wanted to share a couple of quotes with you here today. Dallas Willard says on the disciplines, now, a discipline is an activity in our power which we pursue in order to become able to do what we cannot do in direct effort. In all of your best effort, you can't become Jesus. I don't know if you knew that or not. Like the best that you can possibly do to become Jesus, you're still gonna fall short. But what we can put effort into are the disciplines or the practices of Jesus. And those help us become more Jesus-y in our life. Dallas continues in the quote. He says, disciplines are required in every area of life, including the spiritual. Therefore, Jesus directed and led his disciples into disciplines for the spiritual life. Fasting, prayer, solitude, silence, service, study, fellowship, and so forth. I mean, this is an exhaustive list and there's more disciplines that we can do. But it's, we put our effort into these things to get a hold of more of God and allow him to get a hold of more of us. And I think what's really cool is we're in this journey of prayer and fasting and we're going into our second week now out of three weeks of prayer and fasting. And I've heard a couple of stories about it, which is really cool. But I don't want you to feel beat up right now. Like if you didn't do the fast, like you didn't start, like this isn't a shaming of you, but maybe consider getting started this week. And don't start where you wanna be. Start where you are. I mean, where I wanna be, full transfer, I'd love to fast a full fast for 21 days. I think that would be super gnarly. I don't even know if it's possible physically or not. I'm nowhere close to that. So in the practices of fasting, I'm up to two meals right now. I've been practicing uh, uh, fasting breakfast and lunch. And I don't say that to gloat of like, look how spiritual, like that's not my intent. So please see that. But some of you are like, I don't even know if I can do a whole meal. Maybe some of you are like, I wanna do a full fast for one day a week. That's awesome. Maybe you just do one meal, the same meal for the the rest of the two weeks. Just start with where you're at. And and don't beat yourself up on it. Like I had someone talk to me. It's like, I'm super dizzy. I feel like I'm going to faint. It's like, eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like Jesus isn't going to look down on you and shame you because you ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because you're dizzy. He's not this legalistic God. He desires relationship and he sees the effort that you're putting into it. So start with where you're at and maybe you get started tomorrow. And I would encourage you during your fast, 
I'm tempted by this because I'm doing the lunch. It would be easy for me to just blow through it and work. And because my wife is way more spiritual than I am, she's like, well, what if we leave and go pray together? It's like, dang, that's a really good idea. I wish I would have thought of that. And so uh, we didn't do it every single day this week, but we went home in our living room and we're both kind of like, well, how do we get started? Like we had this idea to pray together, but we didn't even know what to do. But Pastor Ryan encouraged us to pray for revival. And so it's like, all right, I'll just get us started. And man, the Holy Spirit just came like no other and praying for revival within my family. And in the midst of that, Amy falls to her knees in our living room. And when she can finally utter some words, she says, Holy Spirit, that's exactly what was on my heart. And then she begins to cry out to God. And it was just amazing, this beautiful moment in the midst of hunger, how Holy Spirit unified my wife and I in praying for revival within our own family. But maybe it's something simple as if you're fasting lunch, maybe just go have a cup of coffee or a water with a friend and just have a wonderful, beautiful conversation with that friend and what God is doing in your life. So I just wanna give you some very simple things of to consider fasting. And I would say that a fast is fasting from food. I think a good soul fast is getting rid of social media. That's where I'm at. I've deleted so many apps off of all my devices because I can sense the flesh revealing itself. And the more that I keep cutting out, the more that flesh is coming to the surface because I believe the Holy Spirit is revealing that to me. That's just where I'm at in my walk. So we're on this journey for 21 days. And one of the highlights of this whole prayer and fast is gonna be our encounter night on November 16th at 7 p.m. I don't know all the details of it because Pastor Ryan hasn't shared all those with us quite yet. But what I do know is we're gonna have some interactives in that. And so we are asking that you would sign up for our encounter night and that you come with full expectancy that Holy Spirit is going to encounter you at that night. Because remember, the whole idea of this prayer and fasting It's not ultimately about what we let go of, but it's who we will let take a hold of us. Like that's the point of the fast. So maybe you gotta just renew your mind in how you look at fasting. The beginning of true life is death. This this whole you know, going up against the devil and the flesh and the world, we've gotta put some things to death in our life. And I think arguably the most challenging words from Jesus found in Matthew chapter 16 says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Another way to say it is you must give up your own way. And I would imagine There could be a few of us. We didn't consider the cost of following Jesus when we stepped into that. We didn't realize the challenges of following Jesus. Maybe you heard a gospel 
that Jesus was going to be rainbows and unicorns and that you'll never have a single struggle ever again. And I'm sorry if you heard that gospel. Can you find freedom and healing? Absolutely. I'm testimony of that. But there are things that Holy Spirit is speaking to me that I need to crucify. There's things in my life that I need to deny in order to have a more spirit-filled life and have all that good fruit hanging from me. And so what does it look like for all of us to invite more of Holy Spirit into our lives? So we're gonna have a time of reflection right now. We're gonna sing a new song that we've never sang on a Sunday morning before. We sang it the last two months uh, during our first Wednesday. So for the hundred so people that have been uh, part of our first Wednesday experience, you're gonna recognize this. It's called The Dove. Uh, Pastor JB and Pastor Ryan were blessed to be a part of a conference where Carrie Job sang this song and they were extremely blessed by that. And so uh, Ian, I guess, has put the music and all of that fancy stuff together with the lyrics in order for the band to now introduce that to us. And so you're not gonna know the words and that's okay, you can sit But I do want to invite the prayer teams down to the corners. And there's one line in here that gets repeated quite often in this song is, we need more of you. And maybe you're at a crossroad right now. You didn't realize the cost of following Jesus and you've been desiring this spirit-filled life. You've been desiring to walk in that, but you need to have a moment with God right now. If we were able, here's a word picture for you. If we were able to get buckets of Holy Spirit and just dump these buckets of Holy Spirit on you, we would do that. And the only way that we can do that is to pray for you. So if you just need to be saturated in the Spirit, you've been in this wrestling match, come forward, allow the prayer team to minister to you. If you want to stand up at any point in the song, you can. If you want to come down and kneel, you can. And if you're kind of stuck in the middle of your row and you know that you need to come forward, just say, please excuse me, I just need to move right now. That person's not going to judge you. And so use this time of reflection. And allow the spirit to move to you. And when that song's done, I'm gonna come up and share a couple more scriptures and we'll close out our service here for today. But allow the team to begin to minister to you right now.